This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. When you're an entrepreneur, you'll chase revenue everywhere. Yeah. You know, if you if you said, I'll go to Saturn, mm-hmm. right, if I could get the revenue there. The problem is that you have limited resources. Exactly. Right? And so if you don't pick a customer and focus on that customer and learn what's the right pricing, what's the right business model, how do mm-hmm. I market to that customer? I mean, think about when you go to work every day, mm-hmm. right? If you commute the same way, right? You know how the weather affects you, how the time affects you, like you know how everything affects you. Yeah. If you go a different way every day, you're figuring it out as you go. Every guest on The Game Plan is extraordinary in their own way and has a certain wisdom to offer us all. And sometimes the guest simply blows my mind. Michael Dermer is one of those people. Coming up, you'll hear how Michael left a promising law career to start a company which became the first to incentivize employees for healthy behavior and is credited for inspiring the health rewards movement. By the way, that business grew to $60 million. You'll also hear about his commitment to seeing all entrepreneurs have the best chance of success in an ever-changing space through an amazing digital platform, The Lonely Entrepreneur, which applies a sharing economy to entrepreneurship, how the community approach has been lacking in business, the difference between quitting and refocusing to a place where the odds are in your favor, and the crucial importance of external perspective and input. I'm Dale Moss, and this is The Game Plan. So I'm so excited to be joined today by Michael Dermer, uh, founder of The Lonely Entrepreneur. So Michael, thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks, man. Great to be here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you have so many accomplishments um, as an entrepreneur, a speaker, a lawyer. Uh, You know, I want to dive in. What's the biggest issue in your eyes facing entrepreneurs today? You know, I think that uh, back on 10, 15 years ago, Dale, uh, if you had passion and grit and a good idea, Mm -hmm. you're okay. Yep. Um, and today that that's all you need to get on the ride. Yeah. Um, just cause there's so much clutter, so much technology. I think the biggest issue for entrepreneurs is how do you actually find a playground where nobody else is playing? Mm-hmm. Right. It's not, everybody has the same social media tools, the same assets, assets yep. to the same capital. So why do you actually win? It's cause you define a space yep. where you're going to win, especially when you have less capital and less resource. So I think that's the number one challenge of entrepreneurs. Yeah. And, you know, in, for, coming from an athletic background, uh, but even in, in business or from coaches and mentors, we always would talk about giving yourself the best chance for success and the best opportunity to win. And there's so much noise out there um, that's, that's going on today. And, you know, it's hard to know what's fact and, and what's fiction. So, um, you know, I want to dive in like the, the lonely entrepreneur, uh, obviously, um, you know, you have such a successful background, but how did this whole come about or whole uh, platform come about? It's completely random. I was a corporate lawyer, uh, aspiring shortstop, New York Yankees, never okay. made it like you did, um, played college baseball, corporate lawyer here in New York. Uh, but I really wanted to start a business. Yep. And after three years, I stumbled upon and started what got to be known as the first business in the U.S. to reward people for being healthy. And that that's something that it now is is the norm. So really, the the, the trailblazer 
um, in, in that space, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, when you at the time when you're doing it, you're a moron, and then uh -huh. when it all comes to bear, you're the trailblazer. It's like a no, you're a genius. Trend, right? he, he's yeah. not he's not trying to say it right now, but he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a genius. I I, I saw it. It's before. like a fashion trend, right? It, Ten it, years ago, people never wear that. And when everybody's doing it, you're the groundbreaker. Um, yeah, I mean, we started the first company to reward people for being healthy in the early 2000s. You know, there were reward programs around airlines and credit cards, but nothing around healthcare. So, left my you know cushy law firm job after three years and a lot of education and and started it from scratch, built it up. Um, for the first six, seven years, it was really lean. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were asking the healthcare industry to basically reward people who weren't doing what they should be doing. Yeah. And for a long time, they said we'd never do that. Um, but we really saw value in it. So by 2008, which was you know seven or eight years into it, we had grown the company to about a $60 million company, 500 employees. We had really made it. Yeah. Um, we were trying to decide strategically what we would do. Um, and we literally almost got destroyed overnight by the financial crisis. Yeah. So that's, you know, so you're back to square one, yeah. one essentially. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it'd be interesting. And I always ask this question, um, you know, what was it that got you through that time? Yeah, it was crazy. And we literally got cut in half overnight. Mm -hmm. Um, cause our, the clients were that we had spent years building these relationships with were bankrupt. Yeah. General Motors was our biggest client. Wow. Wow. So literally our business got cut in half. We had 500 employees. Um, the way I thought about it, Dale, was that, um, it wasn't really about me. It was mm -hmm. about, I had asked employees to follow us. I had asked family to invest money. I investors invest money. Just so many, so many people tied into so it. So many people did it because I asked them to do it. Yeah. Uh, and so even though there were 20 hour days um, where you didn't, and you didn't know what was going to happen at that time because what was going on in the economy, um, you, I really thought about that I had an obligation to all, it was fine for me, mm -hmm. right? Um, but but how, what kind of obligation do I have to all the people that relied upon me yeah. in their careers and their money and stuff like that? And you just, you know, you grind. It's probably like a football season uh -huh. in August, right? You just, you put your head down and at that time, you couldn't really focus on what if because the mm -hmm. what ifs were bad. Yeah. Was, was there ever a moment during that time where you thought about just shutting it down and like, I, I, I can't come out of this? No, but I can tell you that the math told me that a couple of times. Yeah. The, num the numbers, uh, sometimes they lie. It's not always money. The numbers right? didn't lie. And so honestly, looking back now, I would say we probably had a one in 10 shot. Mm -hmm. um, just because, you know, if you're a two-person company, you get cut in half. That's one thing. When you're 500 people, you're just not meant to get cut in half. Yeah. Uh, you just have infrastructure and things like that. So the numbers weren't lying. And, and you just basically said, listen, I have an obligation to a thing that's much bigger than me. Yep. And also the vision, Dale. I mean, I was, I am and, and was only attracted to things that were big uh -huh. and that could help society and help people. So rewarding people for being healthy was much more about what was going on in 2009. Yep. Now, I'd be lying if I said, hey, man, wow, a year ago, somebody offered us a big amount of money to sell the company. We'd say, why are we selling the company? We're doing yep. great. So, you know, you just, you, you know, Winston Churchill has this great quote where he mm -hmm. said in, in the middle of World War II when London's getting bombed. And they asked him about it, much more severe than, you know, a company collapse. Yeah. And he said, you know, when you're going through hell, you just keep going. Yeah. And it, I think that's a, that's one of the things that, um, you know, I, even that quote and you, you saying that is something that I connect with. Uh, because at the end of the day, um, the world, I don't want to say it doesn't care, but yeah. it's it moves on, yeah. right? So you just have to figure it, figure it out. And, and that's interesting, too, because... Um, you talk about the title, the lonely entrepreneur. Yeah. I mean, if you're starting something new, you're, you're going in a pl place that, you know, few have wandered in. It's not always going to be good. Yeah. Um, you know, so as you were, um, coming out of this, 
you know, who were some of the people or what were even some of the resources that really helped you find success again? So after we had collapsed, we spent the next two years just battling, scrapping, clawing. And then a couple of years later, we started to bank, uh, bounce back and grow. Uh -huh. And a bunch of people approached us when the economy started to calm down a little bit and said, everybody's going to do this. You guys have been doing for 10 years and we got bought. Mm -hmm. So it worked out great, like we said before. Yeah. Idiot weather, the day before. Weathering, weathering the storm, right? Weathering the storm. Uh, idiot the day before, genius the next day. Mm -hmm. um, and so on the other end of that, what, what really struck me was that um, people were putting their heart and souls into this. Yep. You know, I was a corporate lawyer, as formally trained. I had other options and things like that. But if you, as I got back into the individual entrepreneur space just to help, I was mm -hmm. literally here in New York where we are just helping entrepreneurs for fun. Yep. Um, but what it really struck me is like, wow, all these people have passion and great ideas, but they're really ill-equipped mm -hmm. to be successful. Yeah. Um, and one of them said to me, being an entrepreneur is really lonely. Yeah. And I was like, wow, whether you're in, Dubai or Shanghai or Singapore or Iowa or Texas, that's the one thing we all share, which is the struggle. Yeah. And so I thought if we could really do something to help them, there would be, it was just another one of those aha moments that, mm -hmm. wow, we could really do something big that can have an impact on society. Well, and, and, and you know, I always say knowledge is power, yeah. but one of the most difficult things is really finding a trusted source because there's not always a perfect path to yeah. how you find success. And, but I, I do believe in the process. Yep. And, you know, what I've noticed about uh, The Lonely Entrepreneur and, you know, has really drawn me uh, into the platform is the robust um, resources yep. that it does provide um, and also making it uh, making it digestible, yep. you know, which is is something that, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of platforms, especially now when there's so much information yeah. coming so fast is, is extremely hard to, um, hard to come by. So, well, we, you know, what we noticed when we were starting to talk to more entrepreneurs and we started the lonely entrepreneur, you know, we wrote a book yep. and we started speaking to people. And what we noticed very quickly was that exactly what you said was there was tons of resources out there, but it would be, it was completely disorganized. What was, what was one of the number one responses, uh, that you heard during the building process or maybe even today from entrepreneurs that they were struggling with? You know, the one response we always get is I've had people come up to me in a book signing with tears in their eyes. Yeah. They don't know if the book, what it's about, but they're like, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the one response you always get is that mm -hmm. we all share that struggle. You know, people talk about Silicon Valley, but even like an individual just starting a flower shop. I mean, that's the one thing that we share. Mm -hmm. But I think um, for individual entrepreneurs, the idea that a technologist or a chef or a fashionista can take that skill Yep. And apply that skill and make it a business. That's what's so difficult for people. Yeah. And they get, unfortunately, they get feedback from friends, family, universities, incubators, accelerators, banks, and it gets thrown in, and they don't know how to put it together. Yeah. Um, if you think about it, if we were starting a football team, mm -hmm. you'd be like offense, defense, special team, right? Yeah. There's a structure to it. Break it yeah, it's a strategically placed, you know. And, and in entrepreneurship, there wasn't that. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we really thought we could help a lot of people was the platform which you described, which is called the learning community, essentially decided, you know, it's designed to be a one-stop shop. Yeah. How do I organize that all for entrepreneurs with knowledge? and tools and templates and wrap a community around it. So if you don't know what to do, or you do know I'm great at fashion, yep. but I've never done a financial statement before, mm -hmm. right? How do I actually have a place to go that's trusted? Yeah, well, in, in you talk about the community aspect, and I think now more than ever, people are searching for that because yes, we're connected digitally, but yeah. um, again, it's, it, it's hard to find something that you really resonate with. And also from an entrepreneurial standpoint, how do you really turn those passions into something that you can actually profit from? Yep. You know, is uh, what have conversations been like 
Um, because as an athlete, I know that was my number one thing. Like, yep. How do I turn this passion for, for, for sports or even just, you know, just enjoying the journey to grind yep. into something that I can sustain for a lifetime? You know, I think one of the disservices that we did to entrepreneurs is we basically said, if you have passion, grit, and a good idea, you're mm -hmm. okay. Yep. And as long as you slam your head into the wall more or faster than the next guy or gal, you're good. Something's going something's something's gonna gonna to happen. Good. And I always think of it in terms of a mother and a golfer, right? Mm -hmm. So if you ask a, a mother. A mother and a golfer. Mother and a golfer. Okay. So if you think of a mother, if you the first time a woman has her, her first child, mm -hmm. and if you said to her the next day, how are you with this mom thing, right? Yeah. Most of them will say when they look back, they're like, I was responsible for this baby. I thought I might kill it. Yeah. Like I didn't know what I was doing. And you work at it. You mm -hmm. get better at your craft because you're committed to your child. And the same thing's true of, of a golfer or another athlete. It's not like you just show up on the PGA Tour, yep. right? It can nail a 60-yard 60 60 sandwich. The, the, the game of trick shots, it, it definitely right. takes time. I right. mean, I've, uh, you see me on a golf course, it's... Um... <laughs> It's entertaining, but I got thick skin. So, uh, and maybe that's, you know, something to say about my drive in the entrepreneurial yeah. space. But um, I think, I think we didn't say to entrepreneurs, you've got to get better at your craft. Mm -hmm. Like there's a series of skills that you have to learn that turn that passion into success yep. as opposed to if slam your head into the wall harder than the next guy. Yep. And I think that's the one thing that, that we saw as the real gap. There are specific things that you do that help you go to market better, raise money quicker, manage your day better, deal with the stress, mm -hmm. right? All of those things that you do give you a better chance of success. Yeah, and it, it, without a doubt, without a doubt. And like, I, th I think that's one of the things that is, uh, there's a little fluctuation, but it carries over into most, in most industries. And you talk about the bare basics about developing a business plan, yep. really understanding the financials. If you're going to raise money, yep. like you have to be able to prove ROI. And I know like for me, I went to school for digital production, but I also, uh, you know, double majored in entrepreneurial studies. Um, and then I went back to school for some continued education. But, you know, even when I left the, the, the college system, uh, uh, the, uh, left my university, yeah. um, and I was seeking other things, I realized that, you know, things get out of date pretty damn quick. Yep. And like, there's a difference between having a textbook in, in some of these um, standard, uh, what would you say, uh, guidelines or yeah. um, teaching you where uh, as opposed to real world experience and real successful entrepreneurs or people who have failed and can tell you what not to do. You know, if you've, it's probably like you, Dale, if you've never been in an NFL huddle, you probably don't know what it's like. Mm -hmm. And the same thing is very much true as an entrepreneur, yep. you know, unless you've been in the middle of it yeah, and you really understand what it's like. I mean, you say, like we would say things like, you always got to act to an investor like you don't need their money. Yep. But you have to do that when you may not have been able to afford the Uber ride over mm -hmm. to the investor's office. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, that's that's a real skill. Well, and those are real stories that people can can connect with. And I, I you know, from my standpoint, um, background as an NFL wide receiver, uh, but really transitioning out, and you know, after bouncing around over a course of you know four to five years. Um, one thing I did have, and I did have a clear direction of what I wanted to do. Um, and I knew that my strength was my network and my ability to connect. And, you know, thankfully I was educated, uh, and I, I had a background in production and, um, but it was interesting because, um, you know, I was able to tap into for the longest time, uh, my passion and my knowledge of the industry, probably firsthand to the point I started consulting for major brands um, and, you know, even building as a presence in front of the camera. But what I started to see is like, you have to be able to scale. And that's where the process started coming yeah. in. And that's where I struggled. So I, for a long time, 
um, you know, I, I really battled with understanding the back end. And it, it was so funny. I remember after we first met and uh, talked about The Lonely Entrepreneur, I was like, you talk about the aha moment. Yep. I was like, damn, like this is you know, reiterating and it's confirming, you know, so many things that, you know, I was looking for and it's right there in a digital format and it's constantly evolving. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, my lens helped because I didn't have the desire to write a book and go speak. Mm -hmm. I wanted to try to help lots and lots of entrepreneurs and you can't do that if it's just a human being. Yep. And we just, so I was a technology guy. So I went into it, even when we wrote the book, the whole idea is how do you help a lot of people? Mm -hmm. Everybody, of course, would love to sit down by you and yep. get coached about brand. But for everyone that can afford you, right, mm-hmm. there's a thousand that can't. So yep. how do you help those thousands? So we, we, our perspective was really, how do we make it digital so everyone can happen? I mean, if you really think about it, right, there's a woman in Ghana right now who's going to walk 10 miles to a vocational center yep. that may or may not have internet access. Mm-hmm. And, and in that vocational center, she's going to learn a skill. But yep. while she's walking, 75% of them have a smartphone. Exactly. Right. So it's amazing that that for some reason, um, people hadn't built a digital platform that tried to bring together a lot of the learning. And I think the other part of it is is an organizational structure to ask entrepreneurs to figure out all the pieces, Mm -hmm. especially when you're emotionally invested in it. Right. And the world changes so quickly is really, really hard to do. So we just tried to organize it and put it in one place. And then to your point about the community is really guide them. Um, yeah. We want them to reach out to us and say, I just read this learning module, but I don't get it and help me figure it out and tell me what I should do. So it's been great. Yeah. You, you know, it's uh, so the, the show is called The Game Plan. Obviously, um, you know, the tagline is, uh, you know, the game plan for success in business and personal life. But, you know, I, I'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, what does that mean? Like, what is your game plan? Yeah, I think for us. What we wanted to be able to do with The Lonely Entrepreneur is literally, I mean, it sounds cliche, but to help people turn their passion into success. Yep. There's, there's a lot of people that have passion. There's nothing better than watching somebody be able to act on their passion, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And, and as I said before, how do you actually do that? Right? Yep. How do you actually teach them the skills to do it? So we just want, anytime somebody touches The Lonely Entrepreneur, whether they go to our website, get a book, or, or part of our learning community, can we give them a better chance of success? Can they improve a skill, right, that gives them a better chance of raising money or closing sales or reducing expenses, whatever it is? But ultimately, for the lonely entrepreneur, we would love, you and I have talked about this, or we would love to, for it to be a brand. Yeah. You know, we would love for to tell stories, mm-hmm. um, for there to be a Netflix series about telling the stories of what we all share, which is yeah. the journey from struggle to success. Well, in, in, and this is one of the things, uh, uh, Dr. Lippy Roy, who I had met um, uh, some time ago at an event, uh, shared some knowledge with me. Uh, and she said, numbers don't change people's minds, but narratives do. Yeah. And it's so important when you're connecting and talking about something that consumes so much of somebody's life. Yeah. And, and most people learn in a different way. Yeah. You know, I understand like a business plan. I can go through it. Like, um, but, you know, what's going to be that spark and that passion that really keeps you going? And that's the narrative. And also understanding that that you're not going through these things alone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's where I struggled again early on. So um, this is completely random, which so many entrepreneurs have these random um, these random stories. But I was injured. Uh, my dad was working for an oil company up in North Dakota. And I remember I went back. You talk about, like, using your, um, using your platform. Uh, 
I knew all the oil executives in North Dakota because my dad was working for a servicing company and servicing all the top energy companies. Um, but in the meantime, like I had friends and family who were members of a tribe, uh, tribal entity. And like, long story short, um, I could see and I understood partnerships. I read my contracts when I played. I read endorsement deals and all those things. And I started through relationships and having a business acumen beyond just skilled labor, developing strategic partnerships in the oil industry. And this was before the big crash. But, um, you know, we fast forward. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I had an assistant um, and I didn't talk about what I did. But I was putting together multi-million dollar deals in the oil industry and sometimes not even know what I was doing. It seems, you know, um, and to the point uh, I remember we had to deal with Halliburton and we were invoicing for like, yeah, I mean, there were $300,000 a week. Um, But, you know, what I didn't have is that knowledge, that back end, that team behind me and kind of how you said when the bottom fell out of the industry, granted we were, um, you know, the company was doing well and you, this goes all the way to up to billion dollar companies, yeah. everything downstream shut down. Yeah, yeah. And like, I thought I, you know, that was my first real, real, real taste of the entrepreneurial spirit. And that's when I really realized that I had a gift of connecting and I could see things and really piece them together, but I had none of the analytics, the process and the back yeah. end. And that's when I really, really started searching for that. So, yeah. well, listen, I, it it happens all over the place. It's it's the rare person that has both the skill and the business acumen. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about athletes, yep, right. Um, if you think about someone who's a chef, somebody who goes into fashion, a technologist in Silicon Valley, whatever it may be, when you have skills, I mean, some of those skills are the groundbreaking skills that you mm-hmm. have. That's very, very different from being able to translate that into economics and a business model. So, yep. and, and how do you actually do that in a way that, that feeds your vision and your passion, but also executes? You know, there's stories about some of the iconic fashion brands struggling for years and years because they had visionaries running them. Yep. But they run businesses that never made money. There's no process. Yep. Like, it's, it's a, you know, you need, you need both sides in order for it to be successful. You know, you bring up a great point right there. And I think that goes into also, you know, how do you really build a, t- a team to have success in the entrepreneurial space? And, and that's something I want to dive into uh, about developing partnerships and uh, relationships. You'll hear more from Michael on how to build a successful team after this. All right, everybody, I've got a game plan for you. Let's get this show to number one on the charts. Find the game plan with Dale Moss, part of the Mouth Media Network family of shows. Give us a review and a five-star rating, and let's change the game. Michael, you talked about... Uh, needing both sides, right? You obviously visionaries running a business, but you also need the process. Um, but I, someone who has been as successful uh, as you in business, but also creating this new platform, you know, I, I'd really love to hear, you know, how how you've built a team, but also um, advice that you can give to any entrepreneur looking to build a team and scale. You know, what's really hard in the beginning um, is that you just don't have team members and you don't have the capital to bring in, you know, the the quality management that you need. Um, you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul and you're getting an intern over here and you have mm-hmm. an advisor over there. And we have a chapter in the book called Everyone Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> because you you literally think that that it's all screwed up. And, and what you have to realize is not so much where you are today, but what it's supposed to look like. Yep. You know, if you have a sense, and this is hard to do, but if you have a sense of, okay, 
this is what a well-run organization is supposed to look like. This is what finance is supposed to look like. This is what marketing is supposed to look like. And also what goes with that is the humility of saying what I'm good at as yep. the leader and what I'm not good at and the things that I like and I don't like. And that, that that's the hardest thing. Yeah. You know, I think uh, a lot of times we want to be humble and – uh, but also if we're high performing individuals or even just driven, we want to do everything ourselves, but you can't be a master of everything. And I think we've all fallen victim to that in so many times. So it really takes a level of uh, uh, selflessness, but also, yeah, like you said, humility to yeah. be able to see that. You know, you have to have this balance of ego and humility. You have to have the ego to mm -hmm. go and say, I'm going to do something that no one else has done. Yep. Yep. Right? And at the same time, you have to have something that goes that doesn't go with that at all, which is the humility mm -hmm. to say, I don't know stuff. I need to reach out to other people. There's other capabilities that I have. When you have that aha moment, then you start to say, okay, how do I piece those things together? Um, the way we always challenge people, including myself, you got to remember, I was a not an athlete, athlete like you, Dale, but a college athlete, an M and A he's lawyer. Selling, Michael was an athlete, and he's unbelievably accomplished. Uh, accomplished, so I wouldn't want to be in the flat with you. Let's put it that <laughs> way. Right. Um, but you know, you, I'm a I'm a guy. I'm an M and A athlete. I'm an A lawyer and an athlete. That hardly screams humble, mm -hmm. you know. And I got dumped on my butt by this whole experience. Yeah. But what you realize is that that's what it actually takes to be to be a successful entrepreneur. You have to know what you need. Yep. And it's and you have to be super, you know, creative about how you go about and getting it. You need to get an advisor over here, right? You need to get an intern over here and you got to piece it all together. Yep. But you have to understand with that combination of ego and humility, what are all the pieces that are going to make a successful business? Mm -hmm. As long as I know that, then I can start to plot a path to do that. Yep. It's when the ego gets in the way, mm -hmm. right? And you're you're blind to everything else that's going on around you, yeah. right? And you're not embracing that. Um, that's where it makes it really, really difficult to succeed as an entrepreneur at any stage that you're at. Yeah. I and, mean, you know, a lot of our downfalls uh, come when we, you know, uh, we make decisions based on emotions and how we feel. And when you're dealing with metrics and numbers and uh, ROI, you know, there, there definitely has to be a process. And, you know, again, one of the most intriguing things um, – you know, about the lonely entrepreneur in which what really drew me in was the fact that not only it's tech, it's digital, it's relatable and customizable, but it was really approachable. And I think that's something that's extremely valuable. So, and, and almost more than anything, being a former athlete, uh, in, in now finding success, uh, in a couple of different industries, you know, I, I want to share those experiences, but also those resources with, um, you know, not only professional athletes, but people coming out of college or even, you know, at the high school level. Yep. And, you know, that's why I was so excited about the partnership uh, with The Lonely Entrepreneur. You know, I think, I think we assume that entrepreneurs know how all this stuff fits together. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the right assumption. Yep. Um, it's personal, it's professional, it's emotional, it's financial, right? And then you have all the business skills. Yep. Asking them to kind of digest that. So what we really try to do is first organize it right, into a structure and a framework, but then also give them, okay, here's the key things you need to know, not just about business issues, but about personal issues, yeah. right? You, somebody can say, here's an income statement, but you're like, I have an income statement, and I'm selling a lot of stuff, but I don't have any cash. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, when I don't have any cash, how do I not overreact to that? Yeah. Right. There's a lot of things that go into that stew. Yeah. Right? Well, and it, it, it's so well-defined and outlined, um, and, and, and you hit it right on the head. It's not about just a, just a business plan, but how do you handle the stresses of being an entrepreneur? Because that is 
one of the most important things. You know, I think um, if, if, if you're making decisions because you're stressed out and you can't think properly, it, it, it's not going to go according to plan. Think about when you hire, you're by yourself, you're yep. working 24 hours a day and you've maxed out your credit cards, right? And, <laughs> and you're going to hire not your funny, first employee, but... right? And, and you're so busy at that point that, that you could be like, I need that employee to know nuclear physics. Yeah. And that employee would come in and you, you'd go to hire them and they don't know anything about nuclear physics and you're like, I'll take you. Just because I'm so stressed and I'm so overwhelmed and I need it. And you make, you're about to spend your first money on your first employee and you make a bad hire because mm-hmm. you're too emotionally connected to the struggle that you're. And, and you're connected to the struggle and you, you know, losing sight of, of, you know, probably the end goal that the stresses and pressures that come on. And especially if you're allocating responsibility uh, when it comes to your company, your, well, your brand, your company's brand. And if there's other people involved, you know, you really, uh, you can't leave something like that to chance. You know, I, I've seen it so happen so many times in the athletic space yeah. and which is, you know, this platform is, is so intriguing to me because um, uh, the NFLPA and these, uh, these major sports leagues uh, definitely have an internship program. Yep. But, um, you know, I think they're definitely searching for ways to continue the education or make it more accessible to players, especially from the standpoint that uh, schedules are so demanding. Have you, have you seen or heard, you know, had a lot of good response from uh, different sports organizations? Yeah, I think, the, I think the sports community, both, both college and pro, understand that a small percentage of the athletes that dedicate their lives to it are going to make it, and the yeah. ones that do make it, um, especially in the NFL, right, are going to have short-lived careers. Mm-hmm. And so there's a certain, you know, we ask so much of those athletes, you know, there's the whole debate about uh, college athletes getting paid. Yeah. Um, there's the a debate after Zion Williamson's industry, industry, injury the other day, should he ever play again or should he just go into the draft? It, it, it's crazy, but yeah, no. And, and um... so, you know, I think that the leagues understand, the colleges understand that we take enough from these athletes Mm-hmm. And so the response from the athletic community is we really need to help these folks. Yeah. Right. And yeah. they're putting their blood, sweat and tears. I mean, it's all fine in the NFL to say next man up, mm-hmm. but these are people with lives and families and their careers might be over in 3.8 years yeah. or whatever the stats say. And, and we ha- how do we help them? So and the response it, has been great. And I, I think, uh, you know, I'm not one to just say, because athletes are a focus of the downward spiral of bankruptcy and how, you know, after uh, just a few years, they have nothing to show for it. Um, and it, this is an issue, though, in, in general yeah. with the United States and entrepreneurs across the board. I think athletes get so much attention, obviously, because there's the assumption that everyone's making all this money um, and they're guaranteed these contracts. When in actuality, it's not the case. But also, one of the key factors is none of these players or at least 98% of them have any job experience yeah. in their life. Yeah, yeah. And they're getting thrown into it in the workforce at, you know, uh, when everyone else has been in it for 10 plus years. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, even if it's a few years after college and training and bouncing around, like that's not easy to come back from. Yeah. But, you know, having some of these things in place and understanding, um, you know, the resources that you have available and how to kind of leverage some of those, um, you, that platform is something that's invaluable. Think about, we're talking to the U.S. Olympic Committee. I mean, mm-hmm. think about that. These are athletes that literally have side jobs. And the, the, the Olympics is a, is, a, is a perfect example. Yeah. I've, I've talked to so many athletes and, um, you know, even some that we'll, we'll be having on the show about just that. They're yeah. training so many hours a day, but between sponsorship dollars and they don't get the visibility and they don't have a social media following, they are working full-time jobs or part-time jobs uh, on the side. 
And they have, and that's the example, including like professional athletes. They have something other people don't have, which is a presence. Yep. Right. You know, athletes that have social media followings and have that, but can we empower them with skills mm -hmm. that during their NFL careers, right? Or even during college and university, yeah. right? If they've left after a year or whatever, how do we empower them to say, okay, if that's something that you're going to have, how do you actually turn that into a business? How mm -hmm. do you monetize that? There's so many Olympic athletes, right? That have that presence. Yeah. Um, 100%. But, but I think, I think your comment before is really true. I mean, uh, it really extends also even to, to women in general. You know, if you look at uh, the stats, you know, 2% of the venture capital out there go to female founders. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's crazy. And, and, and I, I feel like, uh, media and, you know, you hear so much, uh, that's going on in the media um, from like Me Too and different things like that. Um, and I, it, it's taken a lot of the focus off of the core or like the underlying issue is like, you know, just that respect barrier. But also it goes back to the entrepreneurial space, like women in business, women in an authoritative position. And, you know, there's so many corporate companies who want to, you know, um, want to promote and support women in business, minorities in business, or just communities, but I don't think that they know how. Like, how, how have you worked with them or got them on the platform to, to really incorporate that into their company, uh, company structure? You know, there's just institutionally, right, there are so many uh, barriers that were put up, especially in the financing community, to, to female founders evolving, right? So it's not just they're operating from an even playing field, mm -hmm. right? From a talent perspective, they absolutely are, yeah. right? Um, but the financing vehicles and the institutions aren't there. So I think a lot of corporate America and corporate really worldwide has said, um, how do we go about empowering women and minorities and other groups, you know, military, mm -hmm. um, and, and what would be a better way than to give them the entrepreneurial skills that they're going to need in their lives? And yeah. so the response has been great because I think that, that – Unfortunately, you've had almost decades of these institutions that yeah. haven't brought women into leadership, haven't brought minorities into leadership, and they're working in earnest to do that. But you can't change that overnight. Well, and when you have such a, some of these bigger corporations, yeah. like to re to to completely start that from scratch and develop within, and also go through your corporate structures, yeah, um, it's not a realistic thing all the time because by the time it's incorporated and fully through it's out of date, right? So um, but if you think about like the financial community, you think about private equity, large banks, venture, the largest venture capital mm -hmm. firms, you know, uh, they can't change overnight. No, not at uh, all. And so what we're really trying to do is we're trying to say what would be better than to empower those groups that now you really do care about and want to help women, minorities, and other groups mm -hmm. than to provide them with entrepreneurial skills. And I think that's what's been exciting about our partnership is, you know, your vision in, in yep. trying to bring that to market and also the ability for us to help help those organizations mm -hmm. while they go through the process of promoting women minorities to leadership and, yeah. and making them more accessible and creating their own funds around financing. But how can we do things along the way to give them a set of skills that they all want and need? Yeah, no. And, and that's one of the things uh, I think now more than ever, people have the ability to be truly influential um, if they use the tools that are accessible to them uh, in the right way. Yeah. And and again, uh, just seeing where um, this has the potential to go, but also understanding like where it will go is is extremely exciting, you know, and I, I definitely want to share some success stories uh, from your eyes uh, with the listeners once we come back from this break. That'd be great. All right. I want to know who you'd like to see on the game plan. Hit me up on Instagram at DaleMoss13 or at thegameplanpodcast.com and let us know. 
And if your suggestion makes it on, I'll give you a shout out on the show. Uh, Michael, we talked a little bit earlier about some of the stresses uh, that entrepreneurs go go through. And, and one thing I always thought is, you know, you, you never give up. You just keep going, you keep going, you keep going. And, and that's not always the case. So, you know, how does someone decide when it's okay to, 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 to stop or, you know, hang it up and then change direction? Yep. So I don't think it's so much about whether you start and stop. I think that what people have to realize in this day and age is, is there aren't that many more blockbuster drugs. Yep. If you and I lock the door mm -hmm. and we come up with an idea, that's big. Yep. Chances are Google and Apple are working on it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, so it's not a matter of – there's very few ideas that, I don't know about you, come across my desk mm -hmm. that you go, that's just a home run or that's a stinker. It's usually an idea that if you bring it to market right, if you execute right, we'll have a pocket, big or small. So I think a lot of times what those entrepreneurs need is to understand – how do, I, how do they find the playground where they can win, mm -hmm. right? It's not so much about, okay, can, am I going to go or stop? Yeah. It's if you go a certain way, you'll win. Yep. If you go a certain way, you'll lose. Yep. And there's so many businesses that have gone and been successful. If you think a lot of businesses that exist today, think about like Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club. Right? Yeah. Dollar Shave Club is just razors. It's just, right? Just they the, just the delivered it a different way. Yeah. Starbucks, mm -hmm. right? There was plenty of coffee throughout the world before Starbucks. And like, there's all of these things that the ideas in and of itself don't have a purity of success. Yeah. So when entrepreneurs are up against it, a lot of times it's because the way they're applying it yeah. isn't working. Now, if you apply it, if you say, listen, this is our best way to apply it, right? Think about, think about in sports, think about Moneyball. Moneyball. Right, think about the Oakland A's, Billy Bean, Oakland says, we don't have nearly as much capital as the other big market teams, so we're going to draft differently. Yeah, and that, gonna, was a, that was the first time it's ever been documented where someone was looking at something in, as far as a draft. Right, uh, and by, all they did, metrics. all they did was take the very same concept and say, we have $60 million and the Yankees have $200 million. Mm -hmm. How do we win? Yeah. Now, you might say, stop. <laughs> you don't have a chance. Don't have a chance. But what did they do? They just went about it a different way. They said, we're not going to be able to get, you know, the sluggers. We're not going to be able – we got to get guys that get on base. We're going to be able to play defense. We got to be able to move people along on bases. And they just went about it a different way. And they won even though they had $60 million when the Yankees had $200 million. Yeah. So a lot of times what on, the guidance that entrepreneurs need is – are you going to that playground where you can win? Mm -hmm. And just understanding, I think just being versatile is so, so important. And, um, you know, from, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, uh, for example, I was talking with, uh, with an advisor that, um, which I recently brought on because you talk about um, not understanding the in and outs of finance, raising capital and things like that. Um, and, you know, that's something that I definitely needed. But we were talking about investments and uh, talking about building wealth and even just knowing one in five investments are, is, is not going to happen. You know, one in 10, I'll say one in 10 is yeah. probably even more realistic. Um, but by diversifying and understanding different spaces and having numerous portfolios, that's how you give yourself the best chance. Yeah. For success, and obviously, it's not putting always putting you know all your eggs in one basket, um, and that's something you know, Dale, that entrepreneurs really struggle with because 
when you're an entrepreneur, you'll chase revenue everywhere. Yeah. You know, if you, if you said, I'll go to Saturn, mm-hmm. right, if I could get the revenue there. The problem is that you have limited resources. Exactly. Right? And so if you don't pick a customer and focus on that customer and learn what's the right pricing, what's the right business model, how mm-hmm. do I market to that customer? I mean, think about when you go to work every day, mm-hmm. right? If you commute the same way, right? You know how the weather affects you, how the time affects you. Like, you know how everything affects you. Yeah. If you go a different way every day, you're figuring it out it, as you go. It's like, that sounds like a New York, uh, that's perfect. Totally New York. New York. I, I was having a conversation <laughs> with some friends the other day and uh, been in New York for four years. And it's like, I've ridden the same train yep. uh, to the same place for four years. And in my mind, I'm like, damn, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I would function doing that, but it, it's it's common, right? We, um, not in a bad way, um, but people get get used to, um, and maybe you know, it, it's not always a bad thing, um, but it's it's so easy to get in that routine, and then um, that can be your downfall because it's it's everything you put all your investment and time in, and you don't have anything else. Yeah, and, and these are the things that really are the antithesis of entrepreneurial thinking, right? Like you'll say, okay, I'll just chase money anywhere because mm-hmm. I need money. Yeah. And when you do that, you spread yourself too thin. You don't validate bits and pieces of yeah. it. And, and those are the things that are actually contrary to what you're doing. It's, it's the same thing as your comment before. Okay, it's my company. I got to do everything. Yeah. That is actually bad leadership. You, you, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's... And you think it's the opposite. You think it's good. I'm willing to like do whatever I can do. you're hard and being right. a servant leader. But uh, when, it, when it's... Then you're not giving the full attention or your expertise or anyone the opportunity to do what they're specialized You know, listen, in. If, we, if we went to a pizza shop here in New York City and the owner said, I make every slice and we invested in that pizza shop, you'd be like, that's great. But if we were going to open the next Pizza Hut, right, and the owner said, I'd make every slice, we'd you go get a new locations. CEO. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. so the ability to take these natural things that you think as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. right, people call themselves control freaks and people like all these things, that's actually bad leadership. Yeah. It goes back to what we said before. Knowing what it's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. What it's supposed to look like is a team that's empowered, yep. right? That gets the vision that I build process around to enable. But unless the leader has that or can turn to a, a person or a resource to guide them mm-hmm. to say, this is what it's supposed to look like, there's somebody across the street here right now going, I'm a control freak. I have to do that. And they're stunting the growth of their, growth of their business. Well, and, and that's one of the, the number one things that when I started doing some uh, uh, some facilitations and going in yeah. and understanding more about corporate wellness, it starts from the top down yeah. and that's really setting the tone. Um, and I think that goes uh, far beyond just uh, – just just numbers and uh you know we talked about ego a little bit earlier and someone's vested so much time and their name is on this um you know and they really got to buy in and just kind of let go of everything sometimes that they've known but it's not easy because as an entrepreneur uh business consumes your life you know i I thought it was so interesting when i looked on the platform um and also uh just different things that you've spoken about on the resources to help mentally prepare people for um going into the entrepreneurial space but also how to cope with some of the stresses i mean i I can tell you firsthand like uh you know relationships um they were just not going to happen and it wasn't the fact that we weren't good people it's just like i was committed to business career, you know, to the point I still am. Um, but that's not easy because if your business is everything and that falls off, uh, you know, then you're left with nothing. And then sometimes there's nothing to even turn to. So 
you know, how, how, how would you, um, how, how does the platform, but also like, what is your advice for navigating yep. those emotional roller coasters? You know, in, in the platform, we created a whole section called leading yourself, leading yourself. Right? Okay. Uh, and it goes down to all these different things. Um, it's very similar to what I said before, Dale, there's a lot of inclinations that we have that once we call ourselves an entrepreneur, we're allowed to do all this crazy stuff. It's, it's, a, it's like entrepreneurship and now more than ever. Yeah. Uh, is is this this fad or this super popular thing? And I think you know people like Gary Vee and um, Ty Lopez and some of these guys have have really just been really out there and you know uh, it's it's just taken people's attention, yep. um, which is great and they've been extremely successful. But at the same time, I think people are still failing to really look at the process. Yep. And really how sure. to build it. And maybe that's because money sometimes can come so quick digitally. But how long is that going to last? And especially when the industry changes. Well, I just think it goes back to where we started this whole conversation, which is about it's one thing to have passion. Mm-hmm. But that's just enough to get on the ride. Think about it. You can't be an NFL football player without passion. Yeah. Right? To do all the things you have to do and be in the weight room and do all that stuff. Right? It's yeah. not going to happen. But if you don't have the guidance and the tools to get there, and if you don't know the different things that we've talked about, and that includes how you manage yourself. You know, when my company was collapsing, I was literally working 20 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And some people would say to me, man, you got to sleep. And I said the flawed thing that every entrepreneur would say was, who has time to sleep? My company's collapsing. And Mm -hmm. then I fell asleep on the couch in my office reading the Wall Street Journal in the middle of the day, like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. And I felt so much better. Mm -hmm. And I started doing that every day. Mm -hmm. So every day I'd close my eyes for a half hour, 45 minutes. Yeah. And these things about how you manage it, like like think about when when you're running your business, you're under stress, whatever, um, and you're going to go to an event. You're going to go to a party. You're going to go to a movie. You're going to go to a dinner party. Um, You have to be there. Like you have to you let have your, to be present. You have to be present because if you're not going to be present, it. go back to the office, mm-hmm. right? But if you're going to go somewhere, right? You you need to be able to take in other experiences. You need the the gray matter in your brain mm-hmm. to relax. Yep. Some of the best ideas I ever had were in the gym. Yeah. Right. Or when I was at a uh, a show. Yeah. Or something. And it it completely takes you away because otherwise it can consume your life. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and those are actually skills. Those are skills no no different in my opinion, Dale, than, than product development yeah. or marketing. Is if, if you don't know how to organize yourself in terms of the stresses, and listen, I'm as guilty as the next guy as being you know, passionate into what I'm doing mm-hmm. and making that a priority. For me, I think you know, to your comments before about, about entrepreneurism and Gary Vee, I think what's, what's changed a little bit is entrepreneurism has gone beyond what you do for work. Mm-hmm. It's an expression of living a more fulfilling life. 100%. So I think that's where it's really changed from a business thing yep. to, you know, we say not, entrepreneurship is not a job, it's an identity. Yeah. Um, and I think especially for some of the groups we were talking about, women, minorities, that, that will have opportunities now like never before. I think it is really about identity mm-hmm. where people now have opportunities and ideas and hopefully ways that they can facilitate that identity, not just I work for big corporate America and I sit in the corner and I always wish I could have. Yeah. Now yeah. you can't. Now exactly. Now you can't. But to our to this whole conversation, if you don't know how, um, it's literally like dropping you in the middle of Dubai and say, figure it out. Uh-huh. You know, without a map. So, so what are what are some of the ways that um, if someone wants to really get involved in this platform from an individual standpoint, but also from a corporate standpoint? Yep. Uh, what are some of the steps that they can take? So what we tried to do is we wanted to both help individuals and the companies that care about empowering entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So for individuals, it's pretty simple. It's $500 a year. 
You just go to lonelyentrepreneur.com and you sign up for it and it's $500 for access every year. To all the resources. Access to all the resources, the coaching, the community. And then for, for uh, companies, brands, as well as, as you know, we just recently formed our nonprofit that you've yep. been a part of, yep. uh, foundations and corporate social responsibility efforts. We give them the ability to empower the entrepreneurs they care about. You, know, you have banks that care about their small business customers. Yep. You have foundations that are trying to empower women. You've got corporate social responsibility efforts that are trying to empower minorities. And, and that's such a powerful thing. And it, it's, it's a new way of thinking. Um, but you know, for, for a company that is you know, just rooted in a community, not only – can they provide some sort of training? But they are actually giving someone the resources and knowledge and actually and putting it directly into the community in the places where it needs it most. If you think about, obviously, we're here in New York where we've had the big controversy over Amazon. Yeah. You know, a place like Amazon could come into a community like Long Island City and say, wouldn't it be amazing to empower all of you with entrepreneurial resources? Yeah, and literally make to... that the, the, the most knowledgeable Right? Uh, what is, is 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 Long Island City a borough? The knowledge, most knowledge, <laughs> like that's going to completely change. Yeah. But I think one of the things, one of the opportunities, I think for corporate America as well as for foundations and corporate social responsibility efforts is they are spending real money. If you look at private equity firms, they are spending real money to mm -hmm. try to empower these groups. Yeah. What we're trying to say is that what what is better than to empower these groups with the skill they're going to need to live a more fulfilling life? Yeah. And so that's where our nonprofit and the partnership with, with that we have together is giving them the ability to act on that. You know, before you'd have a, a large consulting firm or private equity firm that would take 30 of its employees and it would go paint a house on a weekend. Yeah. And that's fine. But uh, in the but digital the house, age, the house eventually—it's it, not this. Right. I mean, how long is that going to last? Right. I understand. Like, it's—it's it's nice building it up, but I think now more than ever, and people are seeing. Um, uh, I think I think there's a disconnect, uh, or there's a lot of um, misinformation that's out there in business in all sorts of different areas. But people are really searching for more knowledge, and um, especially with uh, the millennial—you you hear about the millennial generation all the time. Um, as like the last really bridge between, you know, some of our parents and a little bit of a gap between like the baby boomers and things like that. And it really goes to what you said before, Dale, about, you know, there's a difference between intelligence and information, right? There's no lack of information. We can have free information on anything we want. But if somebody went to you and said, you know, what does it really take to get open? Yeah. Right? On a play. Sure, there's the stuff you could see. But it's not the stuff you really learned in practice behind the scenes, that real intelligence that really makes the difference. And that is no more true than with entrepreneurs. Knowing what to do and what not to do from people that have sat in those shoes makes all the difference in the world. You can read all you want about business plans yeah. and about, about how to raise money. But, but if you don't know the, the things you're supposed to do and not to do because people have been there, it becomes very, very difficult to execute on Yeah, this. and communicate it in a way uh, that you can really connect with. And, and one of the things I was looking through as well, um, which is, to me, I think is one of the most valuable tools is being able to customize and create and actually have people and leaders within your organization or uh, the charity that you're involved with leading the charge on some of these things. And it could be as simple as breaking down our company mission statement, You know yeah, yeah. how we go through... A to B to C, but it also, um, for example, I'm a, a, a global ambassador of Special Olympics. You know, I think about educating others and giving those uh, corporate companies the tools to successfully train and incorporate people with intellectual disabilities yeah. into their corporate structure. Now, 
that's something that, you know, they probably are not well equipped with, but being able to actually work and partner with an organization so they can have their leaders and their teachers really custom and work with your company yep. to tailor that program. Well, listen, so I think wins. It, that's the power of digital technology these days. Yeah. You know, the ability, if you're, if you're a woman in Mexico City, you may have been taking your extra tortillas to market for 50 years and you never called yourself an entrepreneur. Yep. You know, Uber drivers right? Do they think of themselves as entrepreneurs? But, but each of these groups have a different set of skills that they need and the ability to give them those foundational skills to do it better, right? And have a better chance of success. That's what the technology of this day and age allows. And hopefully through a lot of our corporate partnerships and, and the things we're doing on the nonprofit side, um, you're a, you have very mo- motivated organizations to help these different groups and the ability to put in those in those groups hands the tools that are actually going to give them a better chance of success and live more fulfilling lives and bring their passion to life um, corporate america and and the foundation community is committed to that all over the world and hopefully will help help enable that you know and and one of the things with like american uh business culture the the landscape uh we have so, somewhat of a, a lottery mentality you know of american culture and these huge acquisitions are constantly happening um you know, but how do you compare that with the real grind of what uh, entrepreneurship really is and what it means? Yeah, I think um, the days, uh, if, you, if you're not thinking about either being an entrepreneur or working for one or married to one, mm-hmm. you're not reading the front page of the Wall Street Journal every day. Yeah. I mean, industries are going to continue to consolidate. Technology is going to continue to take things, you know, offshore and make it easier and easier to replace, you know, uh, human beings with technology. Uh, and so I think the days of my company got bought by another company and therefore I might lose our jobs yep. is going to give way to I control my own destiny, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm going to decide what I do, even if it's my side gig yeah. that on my side of my job from corporate America, I'm going to do. And in fact, many companies are actually providing mechanisms to say to their employees, spend 10% of your time on your side gig. Well, and, and I've never seen it so apparent until I came to New York and everyone or so many people are multifaceted, but you know, it could be the nature of how expensive this city is, but also I think even more so it's just the opportunity that is here. You know, everyone has something, but also I believe, um, and, and companies are seeing this even just working remotely. You talk about yep. a digital age and what it, what it provides, like success rates when others have some of these other things to the point where they will even help provide and guide them into something that might align and sharpen their skills yep. in their main course of business. Yeah, I mean, the, the entrepreneurial thinking, you know, one of the other big trends is that, that corporate America and worldwide is, is trying to figure out how to think more entrepreneurial. Yeah. I and mean, if you really think about it, Blockbuster should have created Netflix, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And today, every single large company in America that's reading the Wall Street Journal worries about getting disrupted by somebody in Iowa. Well, and it's a community. I think, you know, that community and that connection is what drives it. And when you, when you see uh, uh, the corporate landscape, um, it's, it's become so big. It, it, there's not a relatable factor. And I understand that goes with numbers, but uh, some of the most successful companies now um, and uh, have been community driven initially, and then all the business structure, uh, you know, came in came in after yeah. the fold. Yeah. So, but there's great opportunities. I mean, there's we developed a program called Think Like an Entrepreneur, which is a program to enable corporate America, yeah, to get its employees to think more entrepreneurially. Because this is this is not just a little trend, right? Mm-hmm. This is about people taking control of their own lives, yeah, right. And the years of working for corporate America and then getting laid off in a merger mm-hmm. or relying on a, on a pension. 
attention is is many many years gone. Well, yeah, and it, it's no longer. Um, you know, these big companies like really shifting and forcing the hand of the industry. Now they're kind of on the defensive because they don't know really, really what can, what can happen. Um, and I don't know if that's, you know, that's not always a bad thing when the entrepreneurial spirit is thriving in small business and, and people are, are having success. Uh, it's better off across the board. Yeah. And I think that's where what we're trying to do with, with our platform is to enable, uh, corporate America and the foundation community to connect those dots. Yeah to not only empower entrepreneurs, but also stay closer to the ground of the best and brightest people and ideas that are that are happening out there. So they can empower them, take advantage of them, invest in them, uh, both the people and, in, and potentially in the ideas. Yeah. So how, um, you know, and I, I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but uh, how can a corporate company really, really make an impact and get involved in this platform? So what we really try to enable them to do is we want them to empower the people that they're interested in. So let's say they have um, women's initiatives, uh, diversity initiatives, initiatives to support athletes. Yep. Um, they're essentially uh, sponsoring our platform for a group of individuals. Yep. So let's say they want to empower a thousand women, right? We would go to company X, they would license our platform and sponsor our platform so they could give it away to those thousand women, which might be employees. It might be external relationships and yep. partnerships they have. Mm -hmm. um, and then the whole idea is that we're guiding them through this platform to gain entrepreneurial experience. Okay. And so what we're trying to do is help corporate America take their dollars and make them make it efficient, but actually put something real in the hands of people at a lot of scale. Well, and, you, and you're putting them on the off, uh, offensive yeah. rather, rather than the defensive again, and you're making it, uh, the work has been done. Yep. You know, the, 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 the community, we believe it's, uh, what is it, over 40,000 40, users yep. are already enrolled, um, over 85,000 modules yeah, and yeah. countless video streams. Yep. It, it's all there and it's all from real relatable situations. Yeah. Um, and it goes back to what we said before. I mean, it's okay to say, you know, we're trying to empower women and we're going to bring in, you know, you to talk on a Thursday about mm -hmm. or me to write, talk about my book. But when they go back to their desk... Yeah. Right. Or they go back to the community center or they go back to the YMCA or whatever it is. How do you give something that empowers them? So, exactly. so because we've tried to organize it and using the digital technology out there, think about how amazing that is that a woman who goes back from a YMCA, mm -hmm. right, could actually sit there and go home on a computer or on her smartphone on her commute home and learn a little bit about they she may have never heard what a business plan is before. Yeah. Or she might be somebody that's really sophisticated in technology but that's never built an income statement. Mm -hmm. Um but to give them the ability to do that um when they're not going to have access to an incubator or an accelerator. Yeah. Right? That's what I think. I mean it, to give corporate America and certainly the foundation community credit, they are sincerely committed to this now. Yeah. They're well, committed. It's it's all over the news and media and um, there's no denying it. Yeah, and so they're they're willing to put their money there to try to empower these groups mm -hmm. um, that the institutions have made it more difficult for them to evolve in the same way. What we're trying to do is a way to do that at much larger scale. Exactly. As opposed to just five people in a classroom that kind of disappears. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it's, it's obviously it's showing with the numbers yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in the growth. So, um, you know, I, I definitely want to close out this episode uh, with you sharing, you know, some of your key points or um, advice you can give to any entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneur wanting to have success today and also, you know, maybe even what they can expect and how to continue to sustain that over a period of time. Yeah. I think first and foremost, it's, it's a little bit what we were talking about before, which is this idea of finding a playground where nobody else is playing. Um, first, and we all have the same tools. We all have the same money. 
right? Um, if everybody can use the same social media, why does somebody win? Exactly. You really have to try to find that spot where you win, where nobody else is, is winning. And it takes a lot of time and effort to be able to do that. Secondly, we touched on it before, is you have to have the humility to grow and learn. Mm-hmm. This is a lot of individual skills that you have to build like over the course of time. Yep. If you don't embrace that, and if you don't say, oh, I'm an entrepreneur, great, I got to learn and get better at it, it becomes incredibly difficult to succeed you know, in, in today's world. Um, the other thing I think is a lot of times entrepreneurs spend way, way too much time and effort on making their offering perfect. Yeah, you know, I, because I, I, I definitely agree with that. And we get very invested in it, mm-hmm. right? And we think it has to, and, and what you realize is nobody's really paying attention. Mm-hmm. And so- <laughs> that's It's so true though. Like I think uh, I've, I've seen it firsthand, like especially with so much information. But, yeah. Um, you know, yeah. you get emotionally invested in it. Exactly. Right, in your baby. And what you realize is that positioning of that, right- is so much more than the actual offering. Okay. And that's not to say that the offering is important, but if you think about the iPhone, mm-hmm. the technology for the iPhone existed for what, 10 years before yeah. the iPhone came Long out? Long before. Long before. Exactly. And all they did was package it up a different way. Starbucks, we didn't need more coffee. We didn't more, need more expensive coffee. We didn't need a coffee shop on every corner, certainly yep. here in New York City. Um, and now everybody knows and drinks Starbucks. Um, so the ability to position something, mm-hmm. right? especially at early stages, because you're not going to have the best product. And I would argue most people don't even pay attention. Yeah. Right? I, I think like, you know, it's how do they connect with that, that brand? And then, you know, again, it's just it, it getting into the market at the right time. Yep. Um, or it could be a market pocket that you go to. But, yeah. but if you sit around and you're, and you're trying to make it perfect, as opposed to spending your time about how does it get positioned in the marketplace? And, and you said it really right before Dale, in my opinion. People don't learn and adopt in an age of clutter yeah. by all the ticks and tacks. Yep. They get a feeling for something. They get mm-hmm. a connection for something. Then once they do, right, yep. then they'll pay attention to all the details. Yeah. Right? If, you ask, if you ask a woman, if we walk down the street and say um, to a woman, do you need a new pair of shoes? Right? Maybe not. Maybe not, not. Maybe yes. But yeah. they might go buy one. Yeah. Right? So, so people get a feeling for something. And as an entrepreneur – one of the things you have to be able to do is create that feeling or that differentiation where they go, yeah. I don't know if you saw, you remember the Supermoke commercial by Budweiser. They spent about $10 million and they basically did this whole scene about corn syrup. Yeah. No, right? I, I definitely remember. Right? <laughs> and, you know, against Miller Lite and Coors Light and they're saying the only one that didn't have corn syrup. Did we even, did you even know that beer had corn syrup? I didn't. No, it was just the fact that like, who the hell, I, yeah, I never would have known. They just picked a spot where they knew they won. Yeah, exactly. And define that as the criteria for winning. Mm-hmm. In the most highly competitive business and in the world. the most random thing, like all the things random they could thing. have picked was corn syrup that people know is not... The good. day before the Super Bowl, if you asked a thousand people on the streets of New York City, is there corn syrup in beer or do you buy it because there's corn syrup? Nobody would have cared. Yeah. And the next day, they've established that criteria as the criteria for, for buying beer. So the positioning of things is so much more important than it, than it being perfect. Than it being perfect. You'll, if, you, if you get traction on positioning and people start to buy your stuff, you, can make, uh, you will be able to make the perfect product. Yeah. But if, you, if you're kind of mad scientist in your basement and you kind of never leave and you're like, I have the perfect thing, it's just nobody knows about it. Mm-hmm. That's one, and that's a natural thing to do because we're so passionate about you know, our stuff. Exactly. And so those are just some of the things. I mean, I think that you can probably tell my lens is 
the go-to-market stuff. Exactly. The stuff that makes you stand out in the market is is probably the biggest flaw for entrepreneurs because to us, we think our stuff's awesome. Yeah. And it's not always – just like you said, there's a lot of eyes, but um, there's a lot of other things going on. Um, but, yeah, getting it out there, positioning it, and building the team and the process behind it yeah. um, is really where it's at. So, And there's competition everywhere. Like anybody who tells you that they don't have competition is just kidding themselves. Yeah, they're, they're lying to themselves. And, and frankly, the bigger the idea – the more Apple and Google care about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they can just they can uh, just throw money just, at it. Yeah, and buy it. So. so I think I think as entrepreneurs learn this kind of go go to market stuff, don't get me wrong, a lot of the things that we've been talking about lay into all these skills you have to have mm-hmm. to be successful. But if you don't find a way to find a playground where you're gonna win, yep. where you set your corn syrup, yeah, <laughs> your corn right? syrup. and everybody's buying on that criteria uh-huh. all of a sudden. Um that's really, really hard to overcome. You'll work. Yeah. You'll work just as hard, but those are the criteria for success. But yeah, you're not going to have success. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, uh, so we've touched base on so many, so many things and, um, you know, it's, 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 it's just really exciting to, to, to understand more about this platform and share this with our audience. Um, but, you know, I just want to kind of close out by seeing what you, what you have in he- ahead, what you're excited about, and also how people can connect with you, the lonely entrepreneur, and obviously the book that's yep. uh, done so well. So, you know, you can find us at, at thelonelyentrepreneur.com. And uh, the platform is called, we mentioned before, the Lonely Entrepreneur Learning Community. I think for us, you know, with this platform, um, probably some of the things we're most excited about is the the women and and minority efforts that we're working yep. on right now. So, which, which is major. It's great, and for us to be able to feel like we can provide a real solution to help empower those folks at scale is terrific. I think the other thing is we're we're having industry partnerships, just like we're working on trying to help former NFL athletes. Mm-hmm. We have partnerships in the pet industry, yeah, right in the in the technology industry. I mean, there's so many different industries, military, yeah. How many different places uh, that we're forming partnerships with folks that have relationships that want to empower? There's so many people that want to empower entrepreneurs. And mm-hmm. if you think about, you know, our political climate, yeah, where everybody's fighting. Nobody hates entrepreneurs. Exactly. Everybody loves entrepreneurs. Everybody wants to help them. Mm-hmm. And so we've been forming partnerships like the one we have with you to empower athletes and others. Um, and so we're excited about some of the partners. Some of them are international. We have some big announcements coming in Dubai yeah. in the next couple of weeks uh, and in the, for the Muslim community. So we're doing a bunch of different stuff we're excited about. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the possibilities are not only endless, but uh, you know, the growth and um, the acceptance and uh, is definitely there. Yeah. So uh, what about the book? Where can, where can everyone pick up the book? Uh, Amazon, Just the Lonely Entrepreneur. Okay. Um, uh, hopefully you enjoy it there. And, and of course, uh, all of these resources are at thelonelyentrepreneur.com, which okay. includes a bunch of free resources, uh, the learning community, which we said is $500 a year. Um, and we've got this great thing called the daily perspective that every exactly. day we give out a free tip on how to be a better entrepreneur. So yeah. even if even if people want to take advantage of the free stuff, um, like we said before, the real hope is that every time somebody touches the lonely entrepreneur, it gives a little bit of a better chance of success. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think uh, that's definitely some perspective for the audience. So, you know, I want to thank you, Michael, for for sitting down and, and sharing uh, this amazing platform and also uh, very excited to share with the audience, uh, you know, our partnership and where things are headed and i appreciate everybody tuning in until next week what's your game plan the game plan with dale moss is produced by mouth media network copyright 2019 the dale moss brand all rights reserved thanks for listening
This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.